Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how's life at uh, the Golf Channel? Uh, it's great. Looking at some stuff right now. Just uh, getting ready for WGC match play starts tomorrow. A couple Oklahoma State Cowboys in the field. Some decent draws. Uh, several Oklahoma State Cowboys, I should say. Alex Noren, uh, Victor Hovland, Taylor Gooch. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, but I could be because there's so many on tour. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the golf this week. I will be in Austin this weekend. I'm going down to visit. Yeah, my two best friends live down there. I haven't gone down there to see them since before the pandemic. So I'm taking off on Friday, and I'll be down there. I'm trying to line up some tickets. I got I got a hookup. I just haven't quite gotten tickets yet. So if I if I get some free tickets, I'll go. But if not, there's there's plenty to do in Austin. Yeah, it's – I almost would rather go to this event on one of the first three days than on the weekends because on the first three days, you'd get to see so much golf. But it would be cool to go out Sunday for the championship match and just follow two guys around playing match play for 18 holes. But then again, I'm also a degenerate. What's Saturday? That's the day I would go if I go. Saturday is a good day. It's uh, the knockout stage. So it's the round of 16 in the morning and then the quarterfinals in the afternoon. So Saturday's a really that's good right. day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. That's exciting. We got a lot to get to today, uh, but first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I don't know if you can buy an orange suit like J.C. Hoyt was wearing at our introductory press conference at Chris's, but I'm sure Chris's can hook you up with anything and everything orange, so be sure to stop by Chris's University Spirit, and uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast as always. As I mentioned, J.C. Hoyt is the new women's basketball coach at Oklahoma State. She uh, kind of built your, your podcast partner, uh, Sam Humphreys. She kind of built up the uh, the Kansas City program just up the road. Yeah, Sam's alma mater. He was tweeting out, congrats to her for getting the job. Yeah, she turned that program around and did a great job up there. And, I mean, everybody was kind of waiting to see who it was going to be. You, you kind of expected Oklahoma State women's basketball uh, to go younger. We now have two women head coaches on the women's college basketball side in this state, which I think is a good thing. So I'm excited for what the future of Oklahoma State women's basketball could hold. And, uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be some kind of expert who's been dialed in on Kansas City basketball games over the last several years. But everything I've read over the last few days says that she's done a phenomenal job up there. She's well-liked, easy to get along with. Uh, so should be a good fit in Stillwater. Yeah. And it, it ends kind of a weird, a weird trend at Oklahoma state. It's the first women's head coach they've had since 2019. Uh, Mike Holder did a great job as the athletic director, but he, he tended to hire males and in, 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 even in female sports. So that was something that I think that they needed to do was hire a female to coach women's basketball. They did. And, you know, Stillwater is such a unique place to go to school, to, to coach athletics in. Fit is, is probably more important at a place like Oklahoma State than, than a lot of other places throughout the entire country. It's got the small town vibe. It's a close-knit community. And that's the word that I keep coming back to with, with J.C. Hoyt. It's just a fit. I mean, she played college ball at Wichita State, not far away from Stillwater, grew up in Kansas, a similar area. I just think it's it's a great fit, and 
at a, at a school like Oklahoma State, you can go try to hire a big name at another Power Five school, or you can hire a young, she's 34 years old, a young up-and-comer, hungry recruiter. And that, that to me seems like what she is. And I just think it's a perfect fit, Colby. That's the word I keep coming back to. Yeah, and you, you talk about being a young, hungry recruiter. That's kind of the way that college athletes college athletics are trending, right? Every sport's going that direction. Young, hungry, wants to get out and recruit because, I mean, everybody's kind of finally coming around to the idea that, yeah, coaching is very important. You've got to go out and get the best players. And Carson, that's why you and I have both said that we're not worried about Mike Boynton because Mike Boynton, I mean, he's still walking into living rooms and convincing kids, high-level prospects, that they need to come play basketball for Oklahoma State. So you want to go out and you want to get somebody kind of the equivalent on the women's side, uh, and hopefully Coach Hoyt can be that. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, you know, you go in with kind of a cautious optimism because it's not something that you know a ton about, and obviously there are no guarantees in life or in collegiate athletics, uh, but hopefully as long as the NCAA doesn't find any reason to uh, kick them out of the tournament and out of the sport, then they should be able to stick around. Yep, I agree. And uh, you mentioned Mike Boynton. Uh, you know, he's a Yankees fan, being being from New York. We won't hold that against him. It is one flaw. <laughs> but he he didn't say he was Mariano Rivera because he actually called uh, Coach Hoyt before Chad Weiberg did. Kind of called her and told her about you know what Oklahoma State has to offer and. He kind of helped recruit her, and then Chad Weiberg calls her. She's apparently was watching the NCAA tournament, had to step outside, and her dog ended up running down the street. She had to chase her dog while on the phone with Chad Weiberg as she was, you know, being interviewed for the job. So kind of a cool story there with Mike Boynton. And for me, just another example of how entrenched Mike Boynton is in Stillwater. I, I saw South Carolina is making a hire uh, today. So it appears Mike Boynton's going to stick around as the men's basketball coach, which you and I – we weren't concerned about him leaving for his alma mater, but I just think that's another example, Colby, of Mike Boynton's a, he's a program guy. He, he is all about Oklahoma state. And uh, Mike had a really good quote. in one of the stories I read where he says he has four sisters. He said, it's never been a man's world for me. He knows how important women are and in, in, in our society. And I think it's just another example of, of him being all about OSU. Yeah. And you've seen it over the years since he got to Oklahoma state. I mean, we see him out at the, uh, at the, the golf course, whenever they're hosting Big 12 match plays, it was either last year or the year before, and he's out there roaming around. Uh, he's getting all the coaches together from different programs at his house and just really ingratiating himself in the Oklahoma State culture culture and making himself a friend to coaches of the other programs uh, and I think that that's important and it helps to build the community uh, in Stillwater so uh, obviously he's been great and hopefully JC Hoyt can kind of be cut from that same cloth and I'm looking forward to seeing what her tenure at Stillwater looks like. Yep me too she's a daughter of a coach her mom coached and uh, she's a Kansas coaching legend had more than 550 career victories her mom get this Colby won four straight state championships and had a 107 game winning streak. Woo. <laughs> and unfortunately, JC had a lot of, in she tore ACL three times, including when she was a, a freshman or ninth grade year. And apparently that's when her mom kind of noticed that she's got the acumen for coaching. She had to sit on the bench and kind of help her and just kind of learn from her and just kind of one of those coaches kids that is, is following in her, in her family's footsteps. And she seems very charismatic. Again, I loved the orange suit she had. I don't know how she got one of those on such short notice. but Yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> she was dressed to impress. I, I loved that. And I, I think overall, just the job has really improved under 
Uh, Kurt Budke got this program out of the doldrums. You know, they went 0-16 in Big 12 play to the Sweet 16 under Kurt Budke. Jim Littell took over, and all of a sudden, Oklahoma State's been to nine of the last 15 NCAA tournaments, including two Sweet 16s. So it kind of is a program and a job that has been on an upward trajectory, and now Hoyt kind of has a, a firm footing to, to, to just go from there and, and keep climbing upwards. Yeah, and, and I want to touch on that. But did I hear you correctly? Did you say 107? 107 straight. That's unbelievable. That defies a lot. You have a bad night in 107 tries, right? Yeah, I don't care what level it is. I don't care if it's, you know, exhibitions. You win 107 of anything in a row, you're doing something right. Yeah, that's absolute insanity. So uh, that caught me a little off guard. But yeah, this program is in a better place than it used to be. And the Big 12 uh, plays good women's basketball. I was actually watching a little bit of the women's tournament last night. There was a great game between Belmont and Tennessee on. I was rooting for Belmont to pull the upset, especially since they were there in Nashville. But I think that that tournament has gotten better. It's getting more promotion. Uh, It's getting more eyeballs. And J.C. Hoyt needs to come in and get Oklahoma State back into that tournament and just kind of be one of those consistent teams. I mean, I don't think anybody's asking for, you know, uh, Pat Summit, Gino Oriema, something like that, where you go on this 10-year dynasty run. Put some tournament teams together. Get in there as a four- to five-seat some years. Give yourself a chance to make the Sweet 16 and get the fans excited. Also, you get home games in the women's NCAA tournament. So get to the tournament, be a higher seed, get some home games, and build momentum for that program. Hopefully, she's the one to do it. Yeah, that'd be really cool to have a Gallagher-Iba hosting the NCAA tournament. I think that'd be a big crowd for for that and that's something that they can certainly build towards uh let's switch gears here to men's basketball colby uh transfer portal has a new uh player from oklahoma state and it's keelan boone brother of caleb he has officially entered the transfer portal he says uh, to the fans here i truly love you guys the most you've stood by us through all the highs and lows I want to thank all the coaches helped me grow as a basketball player even more as a person and I want to thank my family for always being behind me and my decisions. So speaking of family, it sounds like Caleb, uh, no, according to a source told pistols firing, actually, my man, Marshall Scott, that um, Caleb is expected to stay at Oklahoma State. So it appears, Colby, that the twin brothers will be uh, will be parting ways. Yeah, you know, last week when when you asked if I thought both would go or both would stay, I, I said not necessarily because sometimes uh, with brothers, with sisters, twins, sometimes they want to stay together forever. Sometimes you've got to go cut your own cloth and make a name for yourself. And, you know, if, if Caleb Boone is happy in Stillwater and wants to stick around, stick around. We'd love to have him for another year, get more of those performances like the one he put on in Bedlam this season. As far as Keelan, he, he clearly felt like this wasn't the place for him, and he had some good moments in his time at Oklahoma state but he's going to go somewhere else and uh hopefully he can go make a name for himself elsewhere and then Caleb Boone will kind of be the Boone in Stillwater and can kind of stand out so uh you know I'm sure that that was a difficult decision for him to make I mean he and his brother they've been playing basketball together their whole lives I, I doubt that was something that either one of them took lightly and I'm sure they had a lot of conversations between the two of them discussing what they wanted to do do they want to stay together uh could they potentially go elsewhere and it, it looks like they're going to decide to play in different places next year so I wish them both the best of luck obviously Caleb if he sticks around in Stillwater and then I hope wherever Keelan goes he just absolutely lights it up I hope he goes full Brady Manek, Alondis Williams something like that where you transfer out and just turn into a stud so Wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, and it's it's kind of str- <laughs> it's kind of strange because Keelan saw his minutes increase every single year. He went from nine minutes his freshman year per game to fourteen and a half to to nearly eighteen this year. 
And it's been the opposite for Caleb. He went from 11 minutes his freshman year to 20 minutes his, his sophomore year down to just 11. So Keelan was actually playing more than his brother Caleb, yet Keelan's the one leaving Stillwater. That's kind of why I thought Keelan would stay probably more so than Caleb. Caleb seemed to be – his minutes seemed to be dwindling even more so at the end of the year. But you're, you're totally right about the, the twin brother thing because, you know, I had – I have uh, cousins that are twins and one went to OU, one went to OSU, <laughs> if you can believe that. So that it's not necessarily a case where they have to stick together. They even want to stick together in some cases. So I'm sure Keelan wants to go somewhere where he's going to be able to shoot the ball a lot because when he's gotten opportunities, he's proven he can shoot the ball. And so I'm sure he's willing to go to another school just for more opportunity and more shots. And I don't begrudge him for that at all. I'm just curious um, where Caleb Boone's career goes from here because he was a vital piece last year and not so much this, this past season. Yeah, no, I think you're right in that sense. And Musa Cisse is coming back. So you've got a, a couple of bigs in there and you expect Musa to be the starter and kind of the man inside. So curious to see how that works with Caleb. As far as Keelan goes, I wonder where he'll wind up because he was a guy who, when given consistent minutes, it seemed like he was able to build up some momentum, but it seemed like he was a guy who needed the rhythm. Like he needed the consistent, okay, every night I'm playing 22 minutes. I'm checking in at 14 minutes on the clock. I'm checking out at seven minutes on the clock. So I wonder if he can go somewhere where he can like just consistently get the same minutes, consistent minutes and, and get into a rhythm because in Stillwater, Oklahoma State just had so many guys that were good, not great players. I mean, you had Cade, who obviously was the, the stud last year, but then this year it just seemed like Oklahoma State had a lot of guys who were just good players, and Boynton was just riding the hot hand, so a guy like Keelan Boone wasn't able to get rhythm, so maybe if he gets that somewhere else, uh, he can have a little more consistent success as opposed to more of the streaky player that we saw in his time at Oklahoma State. Be interested if he transfers to Tulsa. You know, that'd be, he'd still be close yeah. to his brother. Uh, that'd be a place you'd think he could go in there and play. They have a new head coach okay. who's just hired a new coach. Um, that'd be a that'd be a nice fit for him. That's at some places you were talking. I just thought maybe that'd be a good place for him because he'd still be, you know, he wouldn't be out in like California away from family and friends. That, that would make a lot of sense to me. But we certainly wish him the best. Um, spring football starts today, Colby. Are you fired up for some spring football? Uh, am I fired up for some spring football? I don't know if fired up would be the right phrase. Uh, I always like to keep tags up, tabs on what's happening in the spring. It, it's not a uh, it's not a huge draw for me. I mean, obviously, we love football. I'm keeping an eye on what's going on. You, you like to see some of the tweets and some of the videos coming out, especially with the young guys that you haven't seen a ton of. But but it's not one of those uh, spring footballs here because – so much else is going on. NCAA tournament's still going on. Uh, the Masters is a couple of weeks away. I've also got a kid on the way. So I've just got a lot of other things going on other than spring football. Where, where does it rank for you on the, the excitement scale? Uh, one to 10, I'm about a three or four. Um, and I think, and I'm not trying to blame anyone, but I just, I don't think Mike Gundy puts a real emphasis or really tries to garner much interest in it. I mean, for years, he, he had turned the spring game into a glorified practice. He basically told people not to come when they were doing like drills <laughs> a couple of years. I think he's changed his tune on that. I think they're going to have a competitive spring game this year, but I just think over the years, Mike Gundy's really de-emphasized it to where our, he, he, he was basically telling me not to be excited about it. Really? No, I think you're probably right. And 
I don't, I don't know what the reasoning for that is. I think there have been times in the past where Oklahoma State just hadn't had a ton of depth in the spring. I mean, we saw that whenever they went away from the spring game and went to more of a, a glorified practice, essentially. So not 100% sure what the thinking is behind that. But, yeah, it's just something. I mean, I saw a video earlier of Garrett Rangel. He's, you know, looking down the field, turns to throw a little quick screen and just rips it into the net about 30 yards across the way. But, you, you know, it uh, it's spring football. So, it just kind of is what it is. It's not going to get the most attention. It's not going to get the most love, uh, but it's something to keep half an eye on, especially to see if any young guys are kind of uh, popping and can maybe get on the field early. The one thing I'm interested in is the backup quarterback position. You've got Spencer Sanders coming back, and then behind him that leaves Gunnar Gundy, Garrett Rangel, and Peyton Thompson, a walk-on. That's, that's it. That's the quarterback room. Um, should Spencer Sanders get hurt, who do you think he goes to? Do you think he says, hey, Gunner, we've been waiting for this. It's your time. Or does he go to the true freshman, Garrett Rangel? That's something to watch this spring. It is something to watch this spring. I lean Gunner. I, I lean Gunner, but I, I mean, I don't know. You'd almost have to be in the head of Mike Gundy to know the answer to that question at this point. We need a little more information uh, as we get into some spring practices and the spring game and, and then even into the fall as to how the quarterback depth chart is going to stack up. But today, March 20, whatever today is, March 22nd, I think I would lean Gunner. Gotten positive reviews since he's been on campus. I've heard he's, I've heard he's pretty good. I mean, I obviously covered him in high school. He's a really good high school quarterback. I just think, man, that is a tough, tough position for everyone involved. For Mike, your kid's got to be really good or there's just going to be natural criticism that comes along with it. Regardless of how he plays, people are just going to say, well, he's in there because he's the coach's son. It's a little bit like the, the Nathan Simmons thing that I've brought up for many, many years. You're probably too young, Colby, but back in the day, Bob Simmons played Nathan Simmons, his son at running back, over Jamal Fobbs, and for, for people that are too young to remember, Jamal Fobbs was awesome. He just didn't get the ball, and they, they, he played his son, Nathan, over him. Nathan was an okay player, but he wasn't as good as Jamal Fobbs, and everyone knew it, and it just put the entire program in a really, really tough position. Famously, OSU had a chance to beat Nebraska, and this is Nebraska at their pinnacle. And Bob Simmons called a run for Nathan Simmons up the gut. They get stuffed. The rest is history. And a lot of people will always remember that when they think of father-son duos. On the flip side, Sean Sutton was a damn good player for Eddie. A really good player. I think, I think he had the – I think he might still have the career record for either three-point percentage or three-pointers uh, – might be three-point percentage. He's up there in the all-time marks for Oklahoma State. So – it doesn't necessarily always go bad. It just the margins are so much thinner when you're the coach's son. Yeah, they absolutely are. I wasn't old enough to remember Bob and Nathan Simmons, but I have heard many, many times about Bob and Nathan Simmons uh, and about how that whole thing played out. So, yeah, it is a difficult spot for Mike Gundy, you know. Um, I, I watched Gunnar Gundy in high school. I was able to call a couple of his games whenever I was the voice of Southmore there for a couple of years. They would play Stillwater every year. 
he was a good player, man. It's just, you, you never know how that, you know, this guy's a really good high school player. You never know how that's going to transfer to the next level. And Carson, we still don't know because we still haven't seen it. And that feels like it was a decade ago, even though it was only what, three years ago, probably that I was watching Gunnar Gundy play high school football. You know, he took the year off and then the red shirt. And then with the COVID year, I don't even know. I mean, Gunnar Gundy could probably be 27 and still playing college football with the uh, year he took off in between the regular red shirt and then the COVID year that would extend him uh, well out into his mid twenties. I would think if he wants to stick around that long. So it is a tough spot for Mike Gundy, because like you said, if you're putting your son out there, especially at quarterback, man, that guy better be good. He better be good. Now, if he's the backup, then I think that takes some of the pressure off. Like if if your only other option is a true freshman and Spencer goes down and you, you throw Gunner out there, it's like, okay, your only other option is a true freshman. This is your guy. Send him out there and see what he's got. And honestly, I think the fan base would really love to see Gunner get on the field and, and see what he's all about at that level uh, because if he were able to excel – Boy, what a storyline that would be. But it's certainly a, a, a fickle little spot that Mike Gundy finds himself in. It'd be really cool. And he's wearing Mike's old number 12, too, which is really cool. And I'm sure it makes all the old-timers feel especially old when they remembered watching Mike play yep. college football. So No doubt. That's something to watch in spring football. Of course, we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on Derek Mason, how the defense progresses under him. I'm curious to see what he does with the defensive line, all those, all those rushers he'll have at his disposal. But – We'll have plenty of time to break down uh, spring football as it progresses, but it did begin today. Uh, we didn't get to talk about this. We, we speculated about it, but James Washington, officially a Dallas Cowboy. Are you fired up? Are you, I know you're not fired up about spring ball. You got to be fired up about James wearing the, the star. Oh, I am so fired up about James Washington being a Cowboy. I think it's a great fit. I mean, he goes down there. Uh, Dallas loses Amari Cooper. Dallas likely losing Cedric Wilson as well. Maybe they already did, and I missed it. Uh, that probably wouldn't have been headline news. But I think that they were planning on losing Cedric Wilson as well. So I would expect him to get a ton of run out there, a bunch of three-receiver sets with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and James Washington. And we saw some other guys have success with Dak Prescott because CeeDee's going to get a lot of a attention and Michael Gallup I'm, I'm telling y'all when Michael Gallup uh is healthy he's a good receiver so that could get James Washington in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations uh and hopefully Dak Prescott can stay healthy throughout the season and just let it rip so I am way fired up for James Washington in Dallas he's on a one-year deal he's betting on himself and hopefully his next contract will be a little bit longer and a little bit bigger because that means he will have had a bunch of success down in Dallas That'd be great. I, I think I really do think he's an untapped resource. You know, again, he's a second round pick. That's a lot of draft uh, capital to spend on a receiver. And there's a reason he was drafted there. I just, for whatever reason, he just did not fit with what Pittsburgh wanted to do. He did not fit with Ben Roethlisberger. I would, I would definitely buy some James Washington stock because you're right. Now he gets to, to plug into that receiving core where he's going to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups. And when he was given a chance, he, he scored some touchdowns in, in Pittsburgh when he actually threw him the football. And I think he, he can do a lot of different things. We saw him at OSU. He, he caught a lot of intermediate routes. He's not just – he was known for his deep ball, and rightfully so. I think he led the country in yards per catch. But I really think he's an untapped resource, and I think that's a good signing. Um, I love that Jerry is a little biased against, for Oklahoma State guys because that trend <laughs> continues. And I, and I think it's paid off for him. I mean, he drafted – Joseph Randall pretty late in the draft. That worked out until, you know, his legal issues came about. Des Bryant, he fell in the draft. That worked out swimmingly for for uh, Jerry. Blake Jarwin, was he undrafted, Colby, or did he go late in the draft? I, uh, I think he was a late-round guy. I think he was maybe like a sixth-rounder. That's off the top of my head, though, so I could be wrong. 
Well, and he he got another contract. He obviously panned out as well. So I think I think Jerry he he, he smells what Mike Gundy's cooking. Blake Jarwin undrafted in the 2017 NFL draft. For some reason, I thought he was uh, a, a late round. He, guy. Yeah, undrafted I, in 2017. I thought he was undrafted or maybe the seventh round, but that that clearly is a pickup that that worked out well for for Jerry and uh, and Blake for a, a good period of time. So that that's fun to watch. Um, time for bullets and BBs, Colby. I, I'll go first. My bullet is going to J.C. Hoyt again. I love the orange suit. I think she said all the right things. And I think she was totally honest too. I loved her honesty about, she said she never really had a dream job, but the more, once she went through the interview process, the more she learned about Oklahoma state, the proximity to family. I think she realized in the process that this could be, and now is my dream job. She didn't get up there and say, I've always wanted to coach here. I've always watched OSU from afar. She was just honest about it. And I think that honesty reminds me of Mike Boynton. I think that forthrightness will help with recruiting. And uh, I, I love this hire. I really do. I think she's going to do really well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. My bullet, Carson, is going to uh, – it's a dual bullet. It's going to Eugenio Lopez, Chikara, and the entire Oklahoma State men's golf team who absolutely routed an elite field in Tucson, Arizona over the weekend. Eugenio Lopez, Chikara hoists another trophy. He has three final rounds in five tournaments this year, Carson, where his final round score was 65 or lower. Oklahoma State ends up running away from the likes of Texas, Oklahoma, Pepperdine, Arkansas, the best golf programs in the country. They were absolutely on fire out in Tucson. So Eugenio Lopez, Chikara, and the entire Oklahoma State men's golf team gets my bullet for what they uh, did out in Arizona. So you're saying I was I was a little premature with my worry about the men's golf team. It, it was funny because we we almost Carson put them on a milk carton last week because it'd been a while since they'd won, and then boom, they went out and it was. I mean, they had a chance if they would have went low on Sunday to break some school records. They didn't go that low, but it was just ridiculousness on uh, Friday and Saturday. How crazy low they went. They were up by more than 20 shots going into the final round, which is uh, pretty unheard of, especially whenever you look at the competition. Where was the course at again? Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. Okay, so the national championships at Greyhawk, correct? Uh, yes, it is. And so we were recording the golf pod, and Sam Humphrey said that he has played. So he's played Greyhawk, and he's played the course where they were at in Tucson. And he said, you know, there are some comparisons because it is desert golf, but uh, certainly not apples to apples. But you can pull a little bit from that if you want to. Interesting. I would love to see a little bedlam for the national title. That's what I want to see. I'm in. That would be awesome. Uh, my BB goes to the Big Ten. They <laughs> I know. Have, the Big Ten had somehow got worse than the last time we gave them a BB, Colby. The Big Ten has now put 18 teams into the last two NCAA tournaments. Only three of those have advanced to the Sweet 16. You want to talk about an overrated basketball conference combined with an overrated football conference it's the Big Ten. And that's before we get to the fact they haven't won a national title since 2000 in basketball. The fact they got nine teams in this year is a total joke. And I'm not even sitting here saying put more Big 12 teams in. I think it, it would serve the tournament and it would serve the sport so much better than putting the eighth and ninth best Big Ten team. Take those teams out and give me one of the mid-majors that lost in the conference championship game that had a great, that has an unbelievable resume. They just lost that, that free ticket into the tournament. 
Those teams, to me, are so much more well-prepared to win in the tournament, as you're seeing this year, than, you know, any of those Big Ten teams that can barely get in the tournament. I just – it's a joke, and for whatever reason, the Big Ten remains perennially overrated. All right, so that's a good one. So then I'm going to give my BB to Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns, who allowed a Big Ten team into the Sweet 16. Carson, my bracket was so good – on Sunday at five o'clock. I mean, it was so good. One of the best I've ever filled out. And then Jabari Smith has an absolute clunker and Auburn gets routed by Miami. That crushed me. I had uh, Gonzaga over Auburn in the natty. So that was brutal. And then I'm figuring Chris Beard goes down to Texas. Chris Beard, that's a tournament coach. He's going to turn that around. They get a good draw. You know, Kentucky, I didn't think was that great this year. So I actually had Texas beating Kentucky. I had Texas in the Elite Eight, Carson. Kentucky goes out. I feel great about it because I don't think Purdue's very good. And then they get beat by Purdue. So BB to Texas Longhorns. Why would you pick Texas? I don't what have know. They done? What have they done? I don't know. I thought that they got a good draw. I probably bit a little too hard on the uh, the Chris Beard thing going down there since he led Tech so far in the tournament a couple of years ago. It was it was a mistake, Carson. It, it was a, a mistake, and I acknowledge that. Well, my national champion was Kentucky, and in the other in the other Final Four bracket, I lost Auburn, but I still have my two Final Four teams in Gonzaga and Houston. I love Kelvin Sampson's team. I think they're going to make it to the title game. And I still have most of my Sweet 16 still alive, despite my horrible national champion pick. I did pick, for all my hate on the Big Ten, I did pick Michigan to make it to the Sweet 16. Not a believer in Rick Barnes. uh, So that's why I picked Michigan to advance where they did. I have most of my Sweet 16 team still alive, other than like the, you know, the the St. Peter's of the world and the Miami's of the world. Everybody else, I, I still got alive. So I'm, I'm not doing terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still okay. I've still got Gonzaga winning it all. I've still got uh, Villanova going to the Final Four out of the top right region. I, I, don't, rem- I don't memorize the directions. I remember uh, top right, bottom right, and then uh, who do I have bottom left? I've got UCLA coming out of the bottom left region, and I did correctly pick North Carolina over Baylor, so I felt pretty good about that one. That was a good pick. I picked Marquette to beat Carolina for some reason, but – that was a really good pick. I think Baylor was a little wounded coming into this tournament, and uh, it showed. So, yep. anything, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, don't believe so. It's good stuff. I'm pulling for uh, Taylor Gooch this weekend. I thought he got an unbelievable draw. I hope he beats Bryson DeChambeau 9-8 and eight this weekend, <laughs> and uh, I'll be down there on hopefully on the grounds. But if not, I'll be in Austin drinking somewhere and watching it on TV, and hopefully uh, Gooch and Victor Hovland uh, meet in the championship. That would be ideal. That would be unbelievable. A Gooch Hovland uh, for the title. I mean, I would root for Gooch because he's been great to us on our golf pod. We just sat down with him last week. We announced this morning that we're going to be uh, going on the sports animal every Sunday morning. Yeah, so that's great. Congratulations yeah, on you. that. Thank you. Appreciate that. So really looking forward to that. And uh, our first episode this Sunday will feature about 15 minutes of our conversation with Taylor Gooch. So uh, really pulling hard for him this week. And like you said, I think he got a great draw. Yeah, I, I was looking for your uh, – I wanted to hear Taylor's thoughts on playing Augusta, and I, I didn't see that podcast episode, so it's going to be we, on Sundays. Yeah, so we didn't want to spoil the uh, the radio with Gooch, so we're just holding that interview, and it's going to be released in its entirety on Monday's podcast. Okay, great. I'll, I'll be yep. sure to check that out, and everyone else should as well. Colby, I'm heading to Austin. We'll, we'll catch back up uh, next week. So uh, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up then. Enjoy Austin. Everybody have a great week. Go Pokes.